Several years ago, my husband and his coworker Robert went to a training session on Long Island. One evening after class, they took the train into Manhattan. <clears throat> Robert has always lived near the mountains of southwest Virginia. He'd never been to New York. He was a little scared to go and had heard, as some of you have heard, to keep your eyes on the ground. Don't look people in the eye. So Robert kept his eyes on the ground the whole time, missing the skyscrapers, missing most of Times Square, missing Al Roker walking into Grand Central Terminal. So picture Robert walking, scuffling along the streets of Manhattan with his head down, and then maybe you can imagine a little bit better his commonality with this woman in today's scripture. The main difference is Robert had his head bent down by choice. This woman in the scripture passage had no choice, and she had had no choice for 18 years. If this story happened today, she would have been bent over and quite unable to stand up straight since 1992. She's so used to this physical bondage that she doesn't even ask Jesus to heal her. She appears to have come to the synagogue to listen to him teach. When Jesus sees her, he also has a choice about what to do with his head. He could easily turn it back to the listening crowd and continue his teaching we are told that he came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. So would it not be better then to talk to the many who are willing to listen than to change the life of just one person? Let's jump back to the fourth chapter of Luke when Jesus was in another synagogue at Nazareth where he grew up. In that synagogue, Jesus took a scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and he read a scripture passage which he was ready to fulfill. The Lord has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free. Those were the words he read to the people in Nazareth. And so perhaps remembering his mandate, Jesus chooses not to turn back to the attentive crowd. Instead, his eyes zoom in on this one woman, and he follows that look at her with a three-step healing. First, he called her over to him. Second, he spoke words of freedom to her. Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And third, he touched her. And Luke tells us when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. Don't we wish that could be our response every time Jesus touches us, we could stand up straight and praise God? Well, that's a good story in itself, but it's only the first third of today's full scripture. Because every good story has to have some conflict. <clears throat> So Jesus heals this unnamed woman who had not asked him for healing, but has received a new life of freedom through his words and touch. 
And then the story gets dicey, starting with the three-letter word, but. But. The leader of the synagogue was indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath. Now, that means nothing to us today, but it meant a whole lot to the people there. Leaders need rules. We all know that. Leaders need to set boundaries so that followers or employees do not step too far out of line and cause problems. Little problems have to be handled with rules so they don't turn into big problems later on. Many of us have heard of the feud between the Hatfields and the McCoys from West Virginia. Anybody know how it started? With a hog. It started in a dispute over a hog. In 1878, that dispute led to a 12-year war, which resulted in the deaths of three Hatfields, seven McCoys, and two outsiders. Small problems get large. So before others begin thinking it's just fine and dandy to start breaking the rules, this leader of the synagogue pipes up, excuse me, Instead of taking it up with Jesus directly, he, he keeps saying to the crowd. It's kind of an interesting way. It's like he's saying to this person, and then he's saying the same thing to this person. He's saying, there's six days on which the work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. The law said that people with a health crisis can be healed on the Sabbath. <clears throat> people with a health crisis can be healed on the Sabbath but not people with a frog in their throat, (laughs) not not people with a chronic illness. They can't come on the Sabbath to be healed. They have to wait for the other six days of the week. The Sabbath is a day set aside for the Lord, and nothing should interfere with that day. Ironically, a main focus of Sabbath is, is the deliverance that the Jews had from oppression and slavery in Egypt. Deliverance from slavery. Here in the synagogue on this Sabbath is a woman in bondage, and yet she should not be delivered from someone with the power to help, with with the help of someone, with the help of Jesus. So you can start seeing the crack in the logic of the leader of the synagogue? Jesus sees it. He doesn't answer gently. He says, you hypocrites! Oh, smooth. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? So, yes, the Sabbath is a day set apart for the Lord, but just like we need water, the livestock needs water, and you will work then, do the work of untying your animal and leading it to water. Feeding the animals which God has entrusted to us is a holy act. It's appropriate to do something to care for them every day, to care for the animals. Jesus takes a typical rabbinical tack and argues from the lesser truth to the greater truth. And so he comes out with the greater truth. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, not an ox or a donkey, 
a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, oughtn't she to be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? In other words, how perfect, how appropriate that she would be freed from bondage, just like the Jewish people were from slavery in Egypt. And he's thinking, okay, so you take care of your livestock, that which provides your livelihood and aids you in commerce, but you will not let a human being be healed on the Sabbath? And he brings to light this double standard. Some of you will have read The Hiding Place by Corey Tin Boom about sheltering Jews and political prisoners uh, from the Nazis. So what if, on a parallel, Tin Boom's family had said to the Jews who came to their home for refuge, come back tomorrow. Well, tomorrow they could have been on a train toward Dachau or Ravensbrück, where Corey Tin Boom ended up herself. Instead, Jesus indirectly announces, today is the day of freedom. Today, every day can be a day of freedom. And when Jesus said these words of freedom, verse 17 says, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things he was doing. So, two responses. One group put to shame. His opponents were put to shame. The others rejoicing. At the beginning of the story, the woman was the one who was bent over. Now she has straightened up and Jesus' accusers have their heads bent in shame. Rules of religion can be binding. Which of the rules of religion do you find binding? Sometimes in the name of religion we judge people we have no right to judge. Sometimes the church limits people from using their gifts and talents. Sometimes the church unknowingly offends people who are searching for grace and truth and who are disappointed, confirmed in what they expect, when they find self-centeredness in the church instead of Christ-centeredness. About a month ago, Anne Rice, an author famous for her vampire novels, wrote this on her Facebook page. For those who care, and I understand if you don't, today I quit being a Christian. I'm out. I remain committed to Christ as always, but not to being, quote, Christian or to being part of Christianity. It's simply impossible for me to, quote, belong to this quarrelsome, hostile, disputatious, and deservedly infamous group. For ten years, I've tried. I've failed. I'm an outsider. My conscience will allow nothing else. About Anne Rice's announcement, Mark Driscoll writes, Christians should not be offended by her rejection of Christianity. We should instead use it as an opportunity to search our own lives 
to see how we have been vicious, cruel, mean, unloving, and difficult to others, and repent of our own sin without fixating on what we think are her sins. Jesus touches us. Jesus invites us to lift up our eyes and see that we need not wait for a divine sign, or especially we need not wait for a nod from the church to do something for Jesus, anything. He's the one who may call us to work for him at any moment, Sabbath or not. And if he does, do any of you all have trouble with procrastination too? Don't procrastinate. Christopher Parker said, procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill. And with Jesus, more than one person gets disappointed. Straighten up, Jesus says, as he touches us. You are set free from your ailment. Straighten up. Look around. See with his eagle eyes what needs to be done and do it, even if it means breaking the rules. Some of you all have just been waiting for permission. I know. A few Sundays ago, we, after we had communion during worship, some of you broke the rules. You took a plate of bread and a tray of full communion cups out to the sidewalk right by Camel Avenue. Yep, religious rules were broken that day. One man must have known church rules because he at first declined the offer of communion, saying he hadn't been baptized. Oh, there's a rule. You've got to walk the aisle, right? That's our Baptist tradition anyway. That's our rule. You've got to walk the aisle. You've got to embarrass yourself enough to come down the aisle to the front of the church, profess your faith in Jesus Christ. Not only that, you have to go in a pool of water in clothes that aren't your own and get dunked in the water. And then you come out, just like you've come out of the shower, with completely wet hair. Foolish, right? It's not foolish. But those are our rules that... We have to go through this process before we can do anything with a communion tray besides pass it to our neighbor and maybe take a whiff as it goes by. You told the man that if he believed in Jesus, he could take communion. Whether he had been baptized did not matter. You rule breakers. I can call you, I can call you rule breakers, but I can't call you hypocrites. Not like Jesus did to those leaders in the church and the synagogue. Because I think that's what Jesus would have done. I think Jesus would have taken his bread and his juice out on the sidewalk and shared it with others. Except he would have used real wine. Often we are bound by our rules and traditions, but as one commentator said, rules do not regulate God. I really like that. Rules do not regulate God. 
reaching out and offering compassion to others is never against God's rules. People are waiting to be surprised with Christ-like compassion from the church. From the church. There's no need to wait for the Sabbath to be over. The sooner, the better. People want to be healed today. They don't want to wait. The power of healing, God's power of healing, can work through us. We have Jesus' power to go and touch someone on the shoulder. Maybe say, stand up straight. I will share your burden. Just like Jesus said, stand up straight. And he took the woman in the synagogue's burden away. Jesus didn't wait to let others know about God's love. And so let us have this woman in the synagogue as our, our model this week. To look up. To praise God for what God has done in our lives. And let everybody see. May we pray together. Lord our God, even as it is our tradition to bow our heads and bend over as we pray, in our minds and our hearts we look up to you. We see your light, we see your love, we see your glory, and we too glorify you and thank you for the healing that you have provided in our lives. Help us then, O God, to heal others in Jesus' name. Amen.